this week, I drove to the office, and when I got here, I realized I didn't have my cell phone with me. So when I got a break, I headed home to get my cell phone, only to discover that it was in a different pocket of my coat, and it had been with me all along. (laughs) Has that ever happened to any of you? A few years ago, my wife and I were sitting on a bench by Lake Minnetonka along the regional trail. And two couples were walking on the trail toward us. And one of them I recognized. They came over and they said hello. And they were part of the church that I had served in Minnetonka for a number of years. And the other couple, I had no idea who they were until they reminded me that I had performed their wedding a few years ago. And after they left, I told my wife for the life of me, I don't remember ever seeing them before, and I could not remember anything about their wedding. The story is told of an older woman who was pulled over for speeding, probably on Highway 162 by our (laughs) trusty Edina folks. And when the police officer came and asked, why are you speeding? The man in the passenger seat said, young man, we were speeding to get to the place we were going before we forgot where we were going. (laughs) Do you ever have trouble remembering? Our scripture lesson today begins with the word remember. Remember. One definition of remember is to recall by an act of effort, to recall by an act of effort. Sometimes it seems to me that the more effort I exert to remember something, the more elusive that something becomes. Another definition of the word remember is this, to keep in mind for consideration or attention. This is more than just a mental exercise of remembering This is not remembering about something. This is about acting on something. I can intellectually remember that if I eat too many snacks and sweets that I will gain weight. I can remember until the cows come home and I can still choose to open another bag of chips or buy another Long John maple flavor covered at Cub. The kind of remembering mentioned in Ecclesiastes 12 is to remember and take action. To remember and take action. Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes, to remember your creator. Remember and value and cherish and live in relationship with your creator. Remember that God is God and we are the creatures. This is an intentional act of remembering. An intentional act of committing myself to let God be God and let me be the creation. The children of Israel often had trouble remembering that God is God. Sometimes they wanted to take the place of God and they wanted to do their own thing. And often they got in trouble. Time and time again, they were beaten down by their enemies only to call out to God once again. And God gave them reminders, tangible reminders, that they would remember the distinction between the creator and the creature. One example is found in the book of Joshua. The people were moving into the new land, into the promised land. 
And they came to the Jordan River. And when they came to the Jordan River, they wondered, how will we get across the Jordan River? And the flow of the river changed or stopped. And the people walked through on dry land to the other side. And when they got to the other side, God told Joshua, send 12 men back into the middle of the river to gather stones from the middle of the river and bring them to the shoreline and build an altar. And when your children ask, what do these stones mean? You shall tell them that God met us here. These stones are to be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. This was an altar for them to remember their creator. Several years ago, my family and I attended a service in Des Moines, Iowa. Right out of seminary, I was the pastor of a church in the western side of Des Moines. And when we moved to Minnesota, the church continued to thrive. And as it thrived, it outgrew its old building. And so they were closing down the old building and ready to move into the new building. The old building would be torn down. And they had a commemorative service to talk about all the ways that God had met us in that facility and with that ministry. And at the end of the service, everyone was invited to come to the front, to the communion table, and to pick up a brick from that building. And when your children ask you, what does this brick mean? What does this mean? Tell them that God met us here. Let it be a reminder to help you remember that God is God, and God does things that we cannot even begin to imagine. Solomon writes, Remember your creator. Get that relationship right. Remember your creator. Let God be God, the leader, and you and I be the followers. Some people carry a little cross in their pocket to help them remember their relationship with God. That little cross often comes with a poem, and the poem goes like this. I carry a cross in my pocket, a simple reminder to me, of the fact that I am a Christian no matter where I may be. This little cross is not magic, nor is it a good luck charm. It isn't meant to protect me from every physical harm. It's not for identification for all the world to see. It's simply an understanding between my Savior and me. When I put my hand in my pocket to bring out a coin or a key, the cross is there to remind me of the price he paid for me. So I carry the cross in my pocket reminding no one but me that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, if only I'll let him be. Remember. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Why is it so important to remember to get this relationship right? Solomon says we are to remember because our days are short and the sad days are coming. Life is short and the days of youth are soon spent. An increasing age brings inevitable decline. Remember your creator before the sad days come. Solomon goes on to delineate the progression of decline. And it's not all that pleasant. But I'm going to ask you to look at the text with me. It will be on the screen or it's in your Bible on page 1007. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, remember your creator 
before cataracts and macular degeneration and glaucoma rob you of your sight. When I was a boy, I was so proud when my grandma would ask me, Danny, would you help to thread the needle for me? And I could do it first time, every time, get the thread through the needle. And now, even when I'm wearing my glasses, I can hardly see the hole in the needle. Remember your creator before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When we grow older, it seems like one ailment seems to follow another. When my older friends get together and they talk about their physical ailments, we call this an organ recital. (laughs) Not the same as a piano recital. We recover from hip surgery and the knee goes out. We recover from knee surgery and we get a staph infection. After the rain, it seems like there's another storm just on the horizon. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the storms come one after another. When the keepers of the house tremble. The keepers of the house are the hands and the feet which can begin to tremble with old age or with Parkinson's disease or neuropathy. Sometimes it's just simply the decline of aging. And the strong men stoop. When I was younger, I could toss a bale of hay up into a wagon. I never did, but I could have. (laughs) And now, when I shovel snow, I'm laid low for three days afterwards. And the strong men stoop because the backs are no longer strong. And we lean on our walkers and we lean on our canes because of an aging body. When grinders cease because they are few. Keith, my friends, before my mom died, she had no teeth of her own. Remember your creator. And when looking through the windows grow dim, again the loss of sight, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, part of this is about the loss of hearing, but more of this is about engaging in commerce. When business transactions are made, when the grinders are working, when the mills are going, and you are not a part of that, you're no longer involved in the important decisions of commerce and life, and you're locked in your home. The doors are closed, and you're no longer a part of the business and the busyness of life. When people rise up at the sound of birds, the least little sound, sleep is interrupted by the smallest of things. Last April, I spent four nights in a hotel room with my 90-year-old dad. He would wake up at the slightest interruption every 45 minutes, all night long. He would drag himself out of bed and into the bathroom and then back into the bed. The next morning, I couldn't drag myself out of bed. I was so tired. But the slightest little thing will interrupt the sleep. And my brother-in-law asked my dad, so how do you sleep? Dad said, I sleep like a baby. (laughs) A newborn who wakes up every 45 minutes. And all their songs grow faint. Did any of you see the movie, The Quartet? Did you see that? Some of you did. 
The story is set in a retirement community for retired musicians. And one of the musicians, one of the lead characters, Gene, is terrified because they want to bring the old quartet back to sing the Riglietto. Her voice is gone. And in one scene, she walks into the dining room and says to the other members of the quartet, When did you last sing? This morning in the shower? Has anybody heard you recently? We're all 98, and you want us to sing the Riglietto? It's insanity. And when asked, what made you stop singing? She replied, you have to understand, I was someone once. All the songs grow faint. The voice is no longer rich and powerful, no longer crisp and beautiful. When people are afraid of heights and dangers in the streets, there can be a heightened anxiousness that comes with the aging process. We are vulnerable. We're afraid of falling and breaking a hip. We're losing control of our lives. And by way of editorial comment, there are those who prey on the fears of the older population. Letters come in the mail that say, Social Security is going away. Send us money to help preserve your Social Security. Medicare is going away. Send us money to help preserve your Medicare. Muslims are taking over our country. So send us money to preserve your freedoms and on and on. In later years, there's an increasing fear of dangers in the street. When the almond tree blossoms, when an almond tree blooms, it is covered with white flowers. For some of us, part of the aging process is the glory of white hair. For some of us, it's jealousy that that will never happen for us. And the grasshopper drags itself along. When our gait and our limbs are ungainly like the awkward steps of a grasshopper, like walking with crutches and canes, And desire is no longer stirred. Enough said about that. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. There can be a fading capacity for joy and the destination is the grave. Death is the ultimate outcome of decline. And it's a sad time for those who are growing older and for those who are left behind. Remember, your creator, in the days of your youth. Let's stop and take a deep breath. There's a lot of heaviness in all of that. This is a hard passage. It does not seem like there's much joy here. Why is Solomon so glum, so somber? Because he understands that life is fleeting. He understands what can happen as we grow older, and he wants us to remember our creator now while we still have time. In his book, Nearing Home, Billy Graham writes about the aging process. And he says, all of my life, I have been taught how to die. And I am prepared for death, but no one has ever told me how to grow old. It's the hardest thing that I have ever had to do. Old age is inevitable if we live long enough. 
old age is inevitable. And as Solomon says, old age definitely can have its downside. And Billy Graham writes in that same book, the best way to meet the challenges of old age is to prepare for them now before they arrive. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator while you still have time. I mentioned earlier that I spent four nights with my dad in a hotel room in Connecticut. <coughs> Mom died in January of this year. <coughs> Excuse me. Mom died in January of this year, and we had a memorial service for her in their community in Florida. In April, we scheduled a memorial service in their home church in Connecticut. So I flew down to Florida, got my dad, and we flew up to Connecticut where we shared this hotel room. Dad has some increasing memory loss. Sometimes he can't remember that mom's gone. Sometimes he'll call and wonder, Dan, where is mom? I can't find her. Sometimes he loses track of if he had lunch or what he had for lunch. Can't even remember if he went to the dining room or not. And so that trip to Connecticut in many ways was very good, but in other ways was challenging and difficult and confusing. Some things and people he remembered and many other people and places he did not remember. The second night in our hotel room, as we were getting ready for bed, out of the corner of my eye, I saw my dad drop to the floor. At first, I was afraid that he had fallen. And I did what any good son would do. I grabbed my camera. (laughs) Dad had not fallen. This is what I saw. Dad kneeling by the side of his bed to pray before he went to bed. It was habit for him. At this point in his life, if I were to talk to him about becoming a Christian or following Jesus or remembering his creator, he probably wouldn't have the capacity to put all that information together and make an intelligent decision. But when he was young, in the days of his youth, he made a decision to remember his creator, to follow his creator. And over the years, it has become habit for him to fall on his knees at bedtime. And talk to his creator. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator when your mind is sharp. In the days before sadness comes. Now some of you may say. I'm not old. I've got a lot of time left. And perhaps you do. Probably you do. Recently I sat again with Julie and recounted what had transpired in the last four and a half months. And by the way, Julie told me that I could tell her story. It's not mine. It's her story. In June, life was good, really good. Bill, her husband of 20 years, set up a special trip to Kauai, where he proposed again to her on a remote Hawaiian beach. He hired a photographer. He hired a minister. He dropped to his knees and said, Will you be my wife for the rest of our lives? And she said yes. It was a wonderful 20th anniversary honeymoon. He came back to Minnesota where he took a new job as CFO of a fairly prominent company here in the Twin Cities. He'd been active in Bible studies. He'd been active in Sunday communities. He was a guy who made it his goal to live his faith in his home, at work, in his community. 
He set an example of, in, of accountability and integrity for other folks to follow. In August, Bill flew to North Carolina for a family reunion. Julie drove their three daughters in the car to stop and visit some colleges along the way. On Tuesday, August 13, Bill phoned and said he was having such a wonderful time with his brothers. And he was looking forward to Julie and the girls joining them. He didn't have much time to talk now because he was going skiing. He hadn't been water skiing in 10 years. But on the first try, he got up. And he went around once and he kicked off a ski and gave the high sign to take it up a notch. He gave the high sign and he let go of the rope. And he dropped into the water. At age 44, his heart gave out. And here is what I know about Bill. While it was not his choice or the choice of anyone for him to die on that Tuesday afternoon. As far as I know, Bill was as ready as anybody I've ever known to meet his creator. He had remembered his creator in the days of his youth while he could. And that relationship was settled. And as Bill sank into the water, he landed in the arms of Jesus. Here's the deal, my friends. The wise King Solomon reminds us to get this relationship right with our creator while we still have our wits about us before the sad days come. At the graveside of Lazarus, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he or she dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he said to Martha, Martha, do you believe this? Martha said, yes, Lord, I believe. Our friend Bill's favorite passage was Ephesians 2. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. We are made right with our creator through faith in Jesus Christ. And here is the bottom line. As we close the door on one year and open the door on the new year, let's be sure we make the good choice. Let's commit or recommit ourselves to lives of faith in Jesus. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Amen.